The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday. Hope you're staying strong, staying healthy, that you're thriving, not surviving, and not striving in this unique season. This is going to be a shorter pod under the 10-15 minute variety. The title of this pod, well, really it parlays with my most recent post called Rethinking Community, Three Truths on What It Is and What It's Not. I wrote the skeleton of this post in September 2016, but really flushed it out with 2020 language. Uh, I feel like it's a relevant and prevalent topic. It's been alluded to in past pods, but I wanted to come back to the topic of community or unity in community, knowing that it's been a struggle for a lot of us. It's been a challenge, an unsolicited challenge. You know, no, a lot of people, you know, we don't ask for these things to happen. It's just the narrative of the year. And a lot of people are feeling disoriented on the matter. I know for me, uh, part of the reason I went back and revise this thoroughly, this this post from 2016, because I've been having my own set of frustrations and needed to turn to the scriptures, you know, find God in the midst of my writing with so much uncertainty and, you know, turbulence and all the unrest uh, politically and socially. We need to digest, we need to intake the absolute nature of God the absolute nature of his love, the absolute nature of his compassion, his wisdom, of who he is. We need that bedrock foundation. We, we take it for granted sometimes because so much is relative, right? We, we, we make things relevant and relative or we pursue those things. But wanting to talk about what does community look like the rest of this year and beyond. I'll be honest, sometimes I don't understand community. I don't get people. Uh, There are times where I want to belittle that whole just being in the midst of one another, being together, being near. You know, another way of putting it, I desire influence and to inspire people through being like Christ. I think we all do, or most of us do, but we kind of want to pick our spots when it comes to actually being in the midst with people. And if you're like me, you know that we're made for it. We're, we're made for community. God is ultimately it. He is relationship. But sometimes knowing that doesn't help us know how to live it the way we're intended. My perspective is a tad crusty. Just going to throw that disclaimer out. I've had a lot of dear friends fade away. I'm sure you have too. Some just kind of seemingly evaporated. Others, you know, there are a lot of people who could be closer, part of that support system. And the way I phrase it, misplaced support voids. That might be confusing to some, but basically you're in situations where community should be happening, but it's not. You're in healthy places, good places, places you want to see thrive relationally and socially, but it's just not clicking for some reason. And maybe you felt this coming into this year before COVID really spiked in March. It's, it's, it's tough footing. It's tough sledding, especially when, you know, you have your family and, you know, family comes first. And you're trying to find time between work, that family, that, that home life, uh, the extracurriculars, the side hustles, uh, that second job that many of us have. 
it's hard to find time for people. So how do we connect? How, even if connectedness is not our strength, how do we tap into that strength with other people? You know, just because it's not your strength doesn't mean you can experience connectedness with someone else. Um, I think it's cool to be available to people so that their strength of connectedness can help guide you and direct you to where you need to be. That's why all the strengths matter. Uh, so I got to put my skepticism aside, my doubt aside, which by the way, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. So just keep that in mind. Skepticism and doubt aside, I wonder if part of the confusion that I'm facing that you might be facing is tied to the blurred line between perceived community and proximity. With proximity, again, it's not a bad thing by itself at all. It's not an evil thing in and of itself. But with that, you're generally around people who are apathetic, indifferent, or a shade of it, and knowing you exist. It's classic don't know, don't care. It's not that people, eh, it's not that people don't care. It's just that we're around more people who are indifferent to us in proximity. And I've seen this with former employers. If you're different and people are indifferent, if you don't fit in, you can't stand out. And as a result, unhealthy cliques form, outskirts are treated as outcasts, and communications are compromised. I want to make sure that I drive this towards marketplace application. Contrarily, with community, you're around people who are open to the idea of seeking relationships and in some cases building koinonia. And I've seen this at my current job as well as select churches in my area. When a new person enters, he she's not only taken in, but walked with until they've well until they're communally integrated. Or at least have a better sense of direction on this is a good fit, where they need to go, etc. Accordingly, life begets life, sincerity abounds, gratitude becomes the hallmark of interaction. Now, let me clarify. I'm not saying nearness and proximity and voluntary forms of togetherness are wrong. If you know me, then you know I'm a huge advocate regarding the mystery availability, which I kind of already alluded to, but it's just being, it's being there. It's being present and also being engaged while you're present. I'm a huge fan of this. I mean, I'm an AC unit for all I care. What I'm saying is if we desire to be fishers of men, to be influential stewards in the marketplace, Really, anywhere, we must discern the difference between proximity and community, especially in a year like 2020. If you're feeling discouraged, disoriented, trying to make sense of veiled social circles and structures, permit me to share some of these empowering thoughts. All right, so point number one, and these points are going to intertwine the three things that community is, the three things that they're not. Point one, whether or not we desire community, it must be a priority in our lives. Pretty straightforward, but there's still plenty of nuance. Like many topics we discuss, especially with relationships, it's not so black and white. Plenty of gray. It's where the nuance lives. And it's worth noting. After all, part of the uniqueness, or our uniqueness, it boils down to weighted values as filtered through our personalities, our wirings, our spiritual gifts. <laughs> I think of the Strengths Finders, I think of the Enneagram. So many variances. We're all one of ones. And as many wise men have said, loving yourself is important, but it shouldn't come at the cost of loving and serving others. You can't live life in a vacuum. And I know that 2020 has compelled us to not withdraw, but we've had to live within tighter parameters and boundaries. Respect has looked different in 2020 than any other year in history. But as far as 
how we love and serve others in this season, even if it's just quality time, an encouraging word at an inconvenient moment. The ripple effect can be found. We're blessed to live in a day and age where technology is advanced and can certainly help tie loose ends. Can't imagine going through the, uh, the Spanish flu, the big influenza outbreak of 100 years ago. Quite a different world then. But yes, a simple word, a simple text message can change the course, the track of another person's life. And it's God in you, of course, the Holy Spirit moving you to that text, just using an example. But the broader point, who knows in any given moment the exact words and gestures God has prepared for us until we get there, until we hit that intersection of, I got a choice in front of me, am I going to obey, am I going to yield, am I going to roll with this, or am I going to cater to that doubt? That fear of looking like a fool, sound like a fool, just because I'm coming out of left field or because maybe I haven't done this in a while and I'm out of practice. I mean, the excuses are many, but his ways are true. They're pure and they are rock like he is. Think of it like this. If we want to be loved, we must desire intimacy with God. However, to desire intimacy with God, we must understand walking in stride with him often means doing likewise with others. While this may seem overwhelming, depending on your temperament, uh, maybe you're an introvert like me, and you know it's you like being around people, but in moderation. You know you need that downtime to charge your batteries. By cultivating a sensitive heart of worship, this goes for anyone. We can learn to rely on God in relational situations, knowing that God is part of the Trinity, has been a relational reality for eternity. And God has entrusted us to be intentional in our approach to unity. And as such, God has given us what we need to effortlessly abide in community. There's the three itties. Eternity, unity, community. And they all tie together. But summed all up in one sentence, to live as Christ is to live as one with one another. You can't have community, or real community, or authentic community without unity. Otherwise, it's just togetherness is proximity really you take a unity out of community and you get proximity that might be oversimplifying a little bit but you get the idea all right so point number two community isn't just a good idea but one of the greatest mandates in scripture random question before i dive into this point how many of you like chocolate milk when i was a kid i used to love ovaltine there was two containers that my family would buy one was uh, malt it was like a yellow Brown jar. Well, it was a brown jar with yellow wrapping, and then the, the brown jar with orange wrapping. That was chocolate malt. It was a little sweeter. My parents would get the regular malt. The kids would get the chocolate malt. And I remember just getting a you know a glass of 1% or 2%, depending on what we had. Even sweet acidophilus. Remember those <laughs> from Purity? Yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't matter about the milk. What mattered is the Ovaltine, stirring it in, the chocolate milk. We didn't do Nesquik or the syrups or the Hershey stuff. I mean, we went with Ovaltine. It was powdery. It got messy if you missed the glass, but... I don't know, it was something really cool, refreshing, and it had a sense of finality. It's like I'm winding down with the day with a glass of chocolate milk. This was before like people thought, like, oh, wow, what a great source of protein. Now it's like athletes are promoting chocolate milk. But back then it was just, this is my dessert. <laughs> if you can relate, you know chocolate milk isn't really chocolate milk unless the chocolate is stirred in. You put the powder in, the syrup in, okay. But it's just milk with just kind of this residue floating around. It's not really chocolate milk until it's uniform, until it's been stirred up and in, until it's like one color, and there's not those chunks at the bottom. 
if you stir it well. If you try tasting unstirred chocolate milk, it's not that great because it's inconsistent. You have these patches eh, that taste like the real thing, but even then it's like the texture's off and you know, and then you're, you know, it's not sweet enough at, at certain parts. It's just all over the place. You get the picture. Visual secure at I submit community is like a chilled glass of chocolate milk. If we don't allow the spirit to stir us through genuine relationship, if we're so easily satisfied by fenced up fellowship, then the flavor of whatever community we're experiencing is going to be compromised. And as I talk about this, keep the early church in Acts in mind as kind of like an example of one to four. Having everything in common doesn't mean we are alike in every way, but it means that we're willing to, but we're unified in sharing of our time, sharing meals together, sharing stories with each other, sharing worship experiences with each other, gatherings, uh, unified in the faith, and coming together and just having vulnerable conversations, or any conversation for that matter. It could be light. It could just be, you know, Something totally spontaneous. It's, it, you know, community is a great way for all of our, all of us as one of ones with, you know, our unique gift basket assortment of personalities and wirings and spiritual gifts. Because as I said before, it's a chance to come together, and all our one of ones become one. That's community. If we truly want to live out Hebrews ten twenty four twenty five, about to read it, we must be willing to allow the Spirit to stir us up. So people can taste the sweetness of God's presence through our interaction. That's why I brought the chocolate milk metaphor into view today. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then Acts 2, actually, did put Acts 2 in here, from Acts 1 through 4. And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe, Mm. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There's what they had in common. <laughs> Those things right there, that series is really powerful. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, that's the reflection, the overflow of having everything in common. But that devotion, the fellowship, it starts, there's awe. I love, sometimes that we miss that, that awe is kind of in the middle of that. It's not just an act. It's not just a routine rhythmic thing. As we're kind of in the custom, some people, they don't show up at all, or they're not connecting at all. They're not trying to, but others are just kind of like, they do it um, kind of at safe arm's length. You could still miss out on the awe, the wonders, the, you know, Again, just having everything in common, being willing to, it's not just about distributing proceeds, but it's being able to come to the table of understanding with one another, reconciling with one another, living restoratively with one another. But the bottom line, just as God is love, He is community. Can't separate the two. When our lives are tasting and seeing that God is good, no question our corporate devotion to do likewise will strengthen. Last point, community starts by drawing near to one. Here's a question. In terms of relationship, if there are walls or barbed wires involved, can we honestly say what we're experiencing is real? Or is it just not complete to our liking? Because I'm not trying to suggest real and complete are synonymous, or that there can't be camaraderie behind closed doors or in passing. 
certainly obedience and courage can help us embrace empathy and the missional aspects of community, especially when we're on the go and we got things to do, we got things in our mind. So much just happens in spontaneous fashion, kind of in more like staccato, random acts of kindness. It's probably the most prevalent form of it. But as for intentional brotherly devotion for everything in common life that we just read in Acts 2, while it's okay to accept scraps and dry seasons, we must remember community can only be experienced by a group of people willing to love and encourage without agenda or fear. I'll use myself as an example. You know, growing up, especially uh, when I got into college and I had this clean slate, I had this reciprocity thing going on. And I wish I understood what that word meant in the spirit because I would, you know, encouragement was the primary way that I would speak life into people, uh, uplift people, but there was some agenda involved. So I knew that, you know, for me, as far as how I give love, it's also how I receive love the best. You know, words of encouragement to top the love language list for me. And I would get discouraged if people didn't do the same. I would think, what's wrong? I would say there has to be a reason for that. And I was hoping that what I gave would be returned almost like, I guess, with interest or something or at least just kind of like this matching thing. I thought that that's what unity was. Community was just loving one another and just being a part of this tennis match, if you will, this this constant exchange where we're reminding each other good things about ourselves. But, you know, in light of just the fact that we can't do this on our own, but that, you know, God's goodness has manifest through us and calling it out and speaking confirmation I'm not sure if that's making sense, but that was me when I was younger, in my late teens and early 20s, and that's the thing. I had the reciprocity thing going on, so there was agenda. Well, guess what? My sense of community suffered because of that, because I would end up withdrawing, or you know, if, if someone said something great, I would hold on to it, but ultimately I would kind of like just mm, thirsty for more of what they have to give me to edify, to confirm, because um, you don't, you know, you, people stop talking, you think that, oh, am I losing something good here? I was chasing after words, and it's like, um, not everything I said was with an agenda or fear, but there was some of that, and I'm aware of that now in my 30s, and if anything, you know, my my main challenge is actually getting out there and choosing to be involved, at least when I was younger, I was getting out there. So don't withdraw to preserve whatever genuity you want to filter your love through. Isolation is not the answer ever. But bringing it back to this post, if we're content on not loving past our relational defaults and resentments, then our community will be nothing more than a shadow of God's original intent. Take it from one who occasionally feels disoriented by what he's not experiencing. Whenever I'm wrestling with relational voids, and by the way, trying to fix your own void, that's that's ego, that's being egotistical. Whenever I'm wrestling with relational voids, I'm reminded to draw near to God, to use that hurt to push me closer to Him. And as I do so, I resist the fear... I pull from the painful experience of the past and 
not living in fear of the past, but I'm resisting fear because I know that God is there ready for me to make that deposit. And I pour out my anxieties upon him. By doing this, I allow the spirit to stir up a desire to encourage others with the good news that Jesus is near and eager to abide with us. Proximity is like a like the footstool in many ways to community. We have to have that nearness, that togetherness to draw near. And that's why proximity is valuable. But it's almost like in that sentence, God is near, proximity, but don't stop there. He's eager to abide with us. That's community. Next time, perhaps I will aim to discuss the different ways this can look in corporate America and even from our home offices just to give some more modern day application that kind of hits home to our profession. For now, my encouragement to you is to ask the Lord to fill you with passion and compassion for his people, for his sheep, to not only move you to physical presence, but to the inner courts of the Spirit's presence. Bottom line, love is not contingent on acceptance, but is calibrated by humility. Seeking the interest of others, making kindness evident, and proclaiming the goodness of fellowship's creator. And for sources, I will give you Philippians 2.4, Romans 12.10, and 1 Peter 2.9. Sail on that. That's it, everyone. Uh, I know I went a little over, but for the most part, under 15, I'll take that. Thank you for listening. I'll try to have some more content up uh, between now and Thanksgiving. Appreciate your, your viewership. If you're on YouTube, uh, you're listening. If you're on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Godspeed. And like I always say, I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.